Our preacher's going to come. This is Pastor Brandon Lake. You've heard his family. Uh, no stranger to our church. Been here many times, but I'll refresh your memory. Pastor of Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Bridgetown, Nova Scotia. I always have to think it through. His father's name's Percy Lake, and he's the pastor of Blessed Hope Baptist Church in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. So I try to keep all that straight in my head. Actually, uh, this is the... Uh, the Norton family, Will's, Will's parents are members of his church out there in Bridgetown, Nova Scotia. So we're thankful for uh, their influence there. And we've uh, met back in 2010. I was traveling and, and preached in your church. And we went back to uh, your house uh, for some pizza. And the boys were just yes, were. two and three years old. And we played hockey in the kitchen. And we had a good time. And, and we just became friends. And Amen. so praise the Lord. We've been here four times now. Is that right? Yes, Amen. Preach to us. Thank you. Amen. It's a blessing to be here. And uh, how many have been to Bridgetown, Nova Scotia? That's just what I thought. Amen. A couple here and there. One, two, three, maybe. Amen. It's a little, just a little community in the Annapolis Valley. About 900 people. And uh, people are always asking me, how many go to your church? And I say, oh, about 90. I figure that's batting pretty good for a, a church of, or a community of 900 people. So, but we're glad to be here this morning. If you'd open your Bible with me to Psalms chapter 27, Psalms chapter 27. Um, I have one thing on my mind tonight, and that excited the folks at our church when I said that. I said, I'm going to preach on one thing here this morning. They said, yes, we are going to be out by noon. Hallelujah. So just one simple thing, but probably one of the most important things in your Christian life. So we'll just preach on one thing this morning, Psalms chapter 27. We always enjoy our time coming here and we do appreciate your prayers for Kaysen. He, he is a busy little boy. He just figured out how to walk before we came here. And so the last couple of weeks he's been toddling around. And of course uh, that brings a whole new, see Rylan, he, Rylan is 10 years old now. And so it had been Nine years since we'd had the little baby stage in the house, and you, you forget about some of these things, and, and so we've had to go around. You know, he loves getting in the cupboards, and he loves doing this and that, and, and so as he got walking around, he just decided, you know, I'm going to stick my hands on this fireplace and stand myself up, and uh, so it didn't turn out very well for him, but uh, we were treated very well last night, and a, a dear sister here at the church got us something that uh, I believe is helping him. We've got him wrapped up and and uh, in, in that uh, salve on there now. So hopefully things will start to turn around, but he's, he's a, little, a little more cranky than he usually is, so we appreciate your understanding. Psalms chapter 27, let's begin reading in verse number one, if you would with me. The Bible says, the Lord is my light. Thank God, amen. Thank God, he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. People ask me sometimes, well, what about these people over here that have never heard? Or what about those people? He is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Amen. Uh, a little commentary on that is in Romans chapter one, but he is my light. Amen. And my salvation. Amen. I'm glad to be saved. Are you glad to be saved this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior this morning, then you are in the right place, my friend. There's probably a hundred people in here that would be glad to take a Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and that heaven's your home. But I say to you this morning, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? I wonder this morning, what do you look for for strength in life? Amen. We, uh, we sometimes think strength is in the bank. And that'll get us through. We sometimes think strength, our strength is our good health and our physical fitness. Now, that's not personally what I think about myself. But there's guys that are really into that. There's a strength that people look for in many things, but I'm here to say this morning, my strength is in the Lord, amen? The strength of my life. There is nothing in me, nothing in any Christian that's any good aside from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the strength of our life. Without him, we are nothing, amen? It's when we're weak, he's strong, amen? When we're susceptible, his grace is sufficient. Praise the Lord. Bible says in verse two, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Amen. Thank God that he protects us. Amen. That he is our shield, that he is our buckler. The Bible says that he is our high tower. I got to tell you something this morning when the choir was singing, I just about came unglued. And if I was in Nova Scotia, not Ontario, you might be wondering about my sanity because, man, I was ready to come out of my seat and, and I was going to run an aisle like they do down south. That was some good stuff. Amen. There is just something about that name. Amen. It's a name that will shake the foundations of this earth. I'm telling you, what a name, the name of Jesus. Amen. We could just preach on that a while, shout about it for a little while. Man, I'll tell you, it's a wonderful name. It's a name that breathes hope uh, over all the ages, amen? It's a, it's a name that changed the course of history. And man, I'll tell you what, it's a name that'll change your life. To know him is to know life and to have life. And the Bible says he came not just to give us life, but to give it to us more abundantly, and I'll tell you what, I'm the kind of guy, I like to get all I can out of life, amen? But I'll tell you what, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have something. The Bible says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I'm glad I'm not living in a spirit of fear this morning. Amen, I don't fear going to hell, not one little bit. Amen, I couldn't go there if I decided that I wanted to, and I can't. I'm thankful for that. I don't live with a spirit of fear. He says, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And this is what he says in verse number four. One thing. One thing. There's just one thing that I want to preach to you about this morning. Oh, there's a great many things about life that we could talk about. But one commentator said this, he said, here in this passage, David, here is a man whose life has reached its utmost simplicity. His longings are reduced to one thing. I'll tell you what, folks, life is so complicated. Life is so involved. Life is full of so many decisions and so many things to think about. And I'll tell you what, in the ministry, uh, just like you've got going on around here, so many different things, you're just running from one thing to another thing. But you know, life in its greatest simplicity is about one thing. And David, as busy as he was as a ruler, as busy as he was as a, as a captain of the host, still he boiled all things down to just 
one thing. One thing. He continues on to say the whole force of David's being is concentrated upon one single aim. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. He says, I do not suppose he had been able to say this always. There was a time if he spoke his heart that he would have said many things I desire. That's the life of a teenager. I want everything and I want everything now. And Bethany's trying not to look at me, but I'm going to pick on her. No, I'm not. But you know, that's the life of Dean. We want everything and we want everything now. We live in an age of convenience where everything is readily available. That's why we carry cell phones everywhere we go. You know, those things really aren't just cell phones. They're computers in the pocket. Man, you can check your email whenever you want to. You can make a phone call whenever you want to. You can send a text message whenever you want to. And you can see what everybody else is thinking on social media when you want to. It's amazing what you can do with this stuff. But I'll tell you what, it makes your life really busy. It makes things really complicated. Sometimes I wonder if the Lord really intended for us to know all these things that are going on all over the place. Because then it makes it really hard to just think about one thing. There's probably some sitting here this morning that, well, I'm trying to tell you about this one thing. You're thinking about the next thing you're going to do, and that's get out of service. Go home and eat the meal and, and do whatever you're going to do this, morning, uh, this afternoon. It's hard just to stop, sit still, and think about one thing. Amen. You know well, if you have a cell phone, you know that at any time there can be an email pop up, a text message pop up, and a, a friend request pop up. I mean, oh, so many things all at one time, and that's, that's created something in us. It's, it's like a beast that can't be satisfied anymore, and we're, we're, we're hard people to get settled, to sit down and just think for a minute about one thing, one thing. He said, one thing have I desired. It wasn't always that David could say this. There's times in your life said, many things I've desired. Many things I wanted to do. He says, every shop window is crowded with objects of desire. He wants so many of the sweet and pretty things that it is cruelty to ask him to say which. He says, there's another stage in life. Said the same great poet sings, he became the slave of low desires. Many a man is set on things which cannot be called base, but they are low. The commentator said many natural and carnal things that our heart is set on. And surely, isn't our life set on the bigger house and the bigger car and the better this and better position at work? And so much of life is spread around trying to accomplish these many things that are not bad in and of themselves. They're just lower, baser things than what boiled down to one thing in David's life. I'm sure that as a king, they desired, even though the Lord, we know Solomon, he had wives and concubines and chariots and horses and stables full of them. 
He's desired many things. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 2, and 3 is commentary on all the things that Solomon sought after. He said there was nothing that his heart desired that he withheld from himself. And he came down to it all at the end and he said what? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. There is only one thing left. If you look with me in the book of Ecclesiastes, you can see there what his one thing was. If you look to the last chapter, there was one thing in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He's saying there's just this one thing. In all of the things, if you've read that book that you know that he talked about, and things that he sought after, he said the conclusion of the whole matter is just one thing. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Just one thing. Solomon was the wisest man, of course, besides the Lord Jesus that ever walked the face of the earth. And he said, you know what? All life boils down to one thing. David said here, he said all of these things around me, he said, but there's just one thing that I've desired. Many things we've desired. But David came to a point in his life, he said, just this one thing. I wonder if you've come to that place in your life that you said, you know what? Life has been good. I'm thankful for my career. I'm thankful for the things that God has blessed me with. I'm thankful for all the material goods. I'm thankful for position and status and all of these things. But Lord, there's just one thing now that I want. One thing that I want above all else. And you know what I'm so thankful for this morning while the choir was singing, the ensemble was singing. I mean, I don't even know why you have us here. That's some good singing right there. But I was reminded of this. I was reminded, Lord, there's really only one thing I want in this life. There's only one desire of my heart. It doesn't really matter, Lord, what I drive. It doesn't matter what brand name of suit I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what people think I am or who people think I should be. Really, there's only one thing that matters to me. Only one thing. You see, David said, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, folks, this one desire that he had, it, it wasn't about going to church. It wasn't. It wasn't even about singing in the choir. You know what it was? One thing just to live in the presence of the Lord. Folks, we don't even know anything about that anymore. Our lives have become so busy. What did the Lord tell Mary and Martha? She said, she hath desired the good thing. And it will not be taken from her. Folks, this life, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. One day you can have everything in the world, and the next day it can all be taken from you. But when the one thing you desire above all else 
is just to walk in the presence and favor of the Lord and to see his beauty, that can't ever be taken away. One of the oldest hymns of the faith. And you know, it's interesting to me that it's mostly just the senior saints that love this song. But I love this song because it's, it's the one thing I desire. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. Then that last verse of that song says, I'd stay in the garden with him though the night around me be falling. You know, there's times in life people come and visit and you wish they would go. (laughs) But then that song says, But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. The one thing he desired was just a personal walk with God. Oh, friends, there's so many things, so many charms of this world. It's for for young people. They've got charms in this world for everybody. And boy, they know how to make it look good. They know how to make all those perishable things so attractive. They know how to bind people to the debt of the desire for those things. And yet there's one thing that's free. One thing available to anybody here who knows Christ as their Savior. And that is to walk with him. To be in his presence. To see his beauty. And you know what that end of that song says that I love so much? None other has ever known. You know why that is? Because it's personal. It's personal. He talks to me in ways that he only talks to me. I heard a song years ago. It says, he loves me like I was his only child. 
That's the way I feel walking with the Lord. And when David felt the presence of God in his life, listen, he knew what it was not to have God's presence. He knew what it was to be the one that the preacher Nathan came and said, David, thou art the man. But boy, David had the right response, didn't he? And in repentance, he knelt down and he asked God's forgiveness and he got his walk with God restored and he walked with God again. He said, Lord, all these things in my life, but there's only one thing that I desire more than anything else. More than fame, more than money, more than prosperity more than recognition. I just desire to walk with you. You see, in verse number four of Psalms 27, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. Notice what he says here. He says, that will I seek after. You know what the Bible says? It says, they that seek me early might find me. Oh no. They that seek me early could find me. I'm so thankful God doesn't play hide and seek. He says, they that seek me early shall find me. I'm so glad when I go to the Lord, he's not playing hide and seek. He's an ever present help in time of trouble. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. He's with me always. Amen. He's prepared a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He said, surely goodness and mercy of the Lord shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He had one determination in his life. You know, life is a process of simplification. It's very simple as a young child, like Cason's age. Life is very simple. Eat, sleep, and one more thing I won't mention. That's all babies do. They eat and sleep. It's so simple. And when they cry, how many parents have patted their babies back and said, oh, you have it so hard, don't you? Oh, you have it so hard, don't you? Somebody to rub your back. So, I mean, life's simple. A, the, a childhood is so simple, but as you grow older and things begin to complicate life and, you know, you start in education and then you, you go to university and then you meet somebody, but it's not the right one. And then you meet somebody else and it's still not there and you meet three or four or five people and you're trying to figure out God's will for your life and you get married and have children and... Uh, But then you get older and the children grow up and they get married and they start complicating their life. But all of a sudden yours get simpler and you look around and you say, where are the children gone? It's just me and mom again. 
Then you just go along doing your thing, but then health begins to deteriorate and the course of life takes its toll and everything. And it really becomes very simple and you're right back to, you know what, if I can just eat and get a good night's sleep, I'm happy. Because you see, folks, life's really only about one thing. It's really just about one thing. And David said, that one thing I will seek after. The Lord saying, make your determination in life to seek my face. Psalms 27 verse 8, it says, when thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. When was the last time you told the Lord, you know what, Lord, I will seek your face. One old time preacher that we grew up loving and and every time you would get in the car to go anywhere, he'd say, stop, let's pray. Every time and he'd pray, but he'd not only pray for safety, he'd, he'd pray that God would guide us and that God would send people across our way that we could give the gospel to and God would make us a testimony of his light and he'd pray all those things and man, I thought, what a blessing, you know, that even in just a simple run down to the grocery store, let's seek his face. Simple thing, Cason burns his hand. Do we go to the hospital? Do we do this? Just seek his face. He said, they that seek me will find me, amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you, amen. One determination. You notice also in Chapter 27, verse four, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Just one place to dwell. You know, when I was growing up, I can remember at least seven different homes that we lived in. My dad was not in the military. We just liked to move a lot, I guess. And I remember all these different places and, you know, we'd drive back over to St. John, New Brunswick, where I was born, and we'd, we'd go try and find this place and that place. And some of them aren't even there anymore, but little memories here and there. But you know what I decided? I said, I don't want to do that. When I get married, I want my children to be able to go back to the home place and say, that's where I grew up. And so my wife and I got married in 2003, August 11th, 2003, August 23rd. I better get that right, 2003. And we, I started pastoring our church in October of 2015. And by December, we bought our first home. And we're still there. And really, to be honest with you, it's too small. But I don't want to move. I don't want to move. You know what? It might be a little tight at times, but you know what? It's ours And all our memories are there. And all the boys have grown up there. And they all took their first steps there. And they all, you know, all these memories that we have there. And it's a precious place. And I'll tell you what David said here. He said this one thing. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he's not particularly talking about the actual structure. But he's just saying to live in the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you, there's some sweet memories in that place. Some prayers that have been answered in that place. Not just for me, but for others. We got a gentleman in our church. He's had cancer three times. And three times our church prayed and fasted. And three times now they've told him you're cancer free. 
That's been over the process of 10 years. He got some type of brain cancer. He had a lung cancer. Uh, and he had a, uh, a cancer in the, the, the uh, lining of his stomach. He's missing ribs all up and down this side. He looks horrible. He's in terrible shape, but he's alive and cancer-free. Why? Because somebody lived in that special place. Somebody had the ear of the Lord. Amen. The psalmist said, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. The, the most menial task in God's house, in God's presence, the most menial thing is better than a thousand days in the tents of the wicked. And I'll say amen to that. Amen to that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He had one dwelling. He had one determination. But I want you to see this in verse four. He says to behold the beauty of the Lord. He had one delight. Do you know how beautiful our Lord is? You know, if we were to talk about our favorite hockey team or sporting event, probably many people could talk about that for a length of time, myself included. But you know what blessed me about that really long choir song? It was about Jesus the whole time. For, for however many, it must have been 10 minutes long. But the whole time, they were singing about Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. I wonder in conversation, could you go 10 minutes talking about Jesus? Or would you run out of information? I'm telling you what, when you see the beauty of the Lord, you can't ever stop proclaiming it. You can't ever stop telling others about it. He's beautiful. Amen. Psalm 63 and verse two, he said, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Why? He'd seen the beauty of the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, do you see how beautiful he is? I remember that old song that says, and the only thing there that's been made by a man are the scars in the hands, beautiful scars of Jesus. Man, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. Amen. I've imagined what he's like. I know the Bible's description. There's nothing there that man would desire him, but I'll tell you what I desire him. Well, I've seen his beauty. Man, I can't wait to see my Lord and to see the scars that he bore for me in his hands. I envy Thomas when he was finally able to reach and put his hand in the side of the Savior. And with Thomas, I'd say, my Lord and my God. The beautiful scars on Jesus. The stripes that he bore.
for me. Have you seen the beauty of the Lord? I'll tell you if you could see his beauty. He said, if I be lifted up. Why? So you can see him. He said, I will draw all men to myself. Man, I'll tell you one day when I was five years old, the old preacher preached on hell. But you know what else he preached on? He preached on a savior. And he lifted up Jesus. And at five years old, I was drawn to him. He was beautiful. He was lovely. Is he beautiful to you this morning? It's just one thing. Life's not about all this contraptions and all the inventions of man and all the pleasures of sin for a season. There's this one thing that's really important. And that's to know him. To know him. He says finally in Psalms 27 and verse 4, he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know what a blessing to be able to go to the Lord in prayer. Honestly, one of my favorite hymns. I don't mean to sing this whole message this morning, but sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care. Isn't that the truth? And bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. Doesn't that ever amaze you that God calls you to a place where you can ask what you will in his name and he'll give it to you? If he hadn't already given so much, if he already hadn't done enough, he calls us to that sweet hour of prayer and boldly allows us to enter into his presence, to ask of him our heart's desire, to take all our needs, which are many, to take all our requests, all of our burdens to the Lord. He said, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. I'm so glad that I can go and inquire of him. This morning, folks, it's, it's, life is about one thing. And David said, that will I seek after. And listen, this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's only about one thing for you. Where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with him Will you go to the place he's prepared for you or to the place he's prepared for the devil and his angels? The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why he made it so easy. He said, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. And that all you must do is simply believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not limited to just a few. It's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But I'll tell you in your life, if you're saved here, he ought to be so much more than just your Savior. 
Jesus Christ is made to me all I need, all I need. He's all we need. This morning, is there one thing that you want more than anything else? And can I ask you, is it him? Do you desire him? Do you desire to be in his presence? Man, that song, I still, it's just ringing still through my head. But you know what it did? It pointed me to him. It said, Lord, you're everything. We need you. And folks, I, it does not matter your station in life, what your situation, what problem you're going through. We need him. We need him. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, you need him. You need him. There's salvation in no other name. None other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Just one. Amen. There's not many ways to heaven. There's not a window here and a, a door over there. There's one door and it's Jesus. And if you knock, he will answer and open it up so that you can go in and sup with him. Jesus said, I am the way. It is an exclusive path to God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get in any other way. And if you're saved here this morning, don't you just want to know him? To walk in his presence. Amen. To have fellowship with him again. I encourage you, maybe it's been a long time since you've heard his voice fall on your ear. That's why we have an altar. That's why we have a place where we can come. You can pour your heart out to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. We need him. Father, I thank you this morning for your goodness to us. I thank you for your people. Lord, I pray, God, if there's one here this morning that does not know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. But Lord, I pray in the heart of every Christian this morning that of all the other things crowding in in life, there'd be one thing they desire above all else. It'd be your fellowship. And Lord, I thank you for the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, Lord, that we would count all things, as Paul said, a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your will and have your way. As we have this invitation time and the pastor comes, God, we ask for your hand upon us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, if you would, this time of invitation. The pastor's come if God spoke to your heart. If there's someone in need of salvation, I'm sure that he would be glad to take the Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven. I'll tell you, there's nothing better than knowing him. Nothing better.